Um, all right. Well, welcome, everybody. I'm so glad that you're listening in because we have a great guest today. My name is Gretchen DeMasi, and this is my podcast, Awakening, and I welcome you. Our special guest is Mr. Gary Ramsey. Um, the, when I first heard him tell his story, he, he really held me spellbound. It is an absolutely fantastic journey that he is about to take us on. Gary Ramsey is a student of the universe and a trained actor, voice and speech teacher, and a professional opera singer. His life and career have had many surprising twists and turns, and I'm very, very pleased to welcome him to my podcast. Hey, Gary, are you there? Oh, yes, Gretchen. Thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. It's so lovely to be here. Wow. Wow. Well, I, I, like I said, I, I heard your story, and it just connected with me on just so, so many levels that I know so many people need to hear your story, or, and uh, they're longing to hear your story although they may not know it exists. Oh, so, thank you. Yeah. So where should we get started? Do you want to give us a little bit about your background and where well, you grew yes. up? And- I, was, uh, I grew up in Chicago uh, on the south side of the city, uh, you know, back in those days, south side of Chicago. And um, Did you know Bad Bad Leroy Brown? I, I did, I did. You did, okay. <laughs> I knew I- a lot of them, actually. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where he came from. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, uh, funny enough, my parents actually were in the bar business, so we were really <laughs> connected to the bad boy Leroy Browns. We had two, actually. Do you have pool tables? Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> As wow. I outside. <laughs> so, wow. Uh, it was quite the, you know, it was quite the town at that, at that you know, at that place. Mm-hmm. But anyway, mm-hmm. I was a blue-collar kid, and I grew up, and I... I um, you know, educated. And as you mentioned, I, you know, uh, went on uh, to work, to teach. I came to New York City and that was because of my education. I went to Rutgers. I got my graduate degree at Rutgers University in New Brunswick. And that's how I ended up in New York. And uh, I had a really, I have to say, very blessed life. I truly, truly mean that. Uh, didn't start out so good, <laughs> but it, as, as I got older, it really was uh, quite astounding. Things would just fall in my lap. And as you mentioned, um, not only was I teaching at a really great school here in New York City, the Neighborhood Playhouse, I also then became an opera singer, late, actually. Uh, and that was because wow. I trained as an Alexander Technique teacher. I don't know. Are you familiar uh, familiar with the Alexander Technique? No, I am not. Well, I, I, I don't think I've ever heard of that. It is very <laughs> I have old. No musical background. Okay. It is very old. Um, he died in 1955 at the age of 86. Oh. So okay. it's uh, an old technique. It's a mind-body uh, technique oh, wow. uh, about the use of oneself within their life, because of course. None of us can jump into somebody else's body to feel how it is to be living what they live. And that's pretty much what he worked on, the efficiency and the um, ability to use oneself in a very efficient and uh, easeful manner. That was the, the crux of his work. That sounds very intriguing. Yeah, and it was because of that that I got involved in opera because I met a very famous opera singing teacher who wanted me to watch his students uh, and then give him an assessment from an Alexander perspective. Okay, so, I mean, I'm thinking that the bar in Chicago wasn't playing opera music. (laughs) No, they really weren't. (laughs) (laughs) So, how? I mean, that's... That's a bit of a leap. So you must have always had a, just a, a regular, non-operatic type singing voice. You just correct a... that I never really even I didn't even well, I didn't know anything about opera. I okay, yeah, opera. that makes two of us. Yeah, other than watching Mozart. Or correct, Amadeus. You know, <laughs> yeah, what we see in the you know film and mm-hmm. media. Yeah, and Here in the commercials. Yeah. This man, you know, really became fascinated with my ability as an Alexander teacher to leave my voice alone 
And then uh, late on me, uh, after you know, not too long of a time, he said, you know, I think you may have one of the greatest operatic voices uh, that is wow. one of the five greatest on the planet. And I wow. said, you're kidding me. And he said, no, he said, because you don't try to sound like anyone. Right. And that right. you're being your authentic Correct. Self. And that was because, you know, I had no desire to do opera. I had no understanding yeah. of it. Sure. Which was a very helpful uh, aspect in my, my life training. And then to keep working with him, he wanted me to start going out for operas. So I did. And then I started booking them. And then pretty soon I, I started, you know, um, acquiring a kind of notoriety. And um, I did one major opera that was a world premiere. I got a fantastic New York Times review. And after that, everybody kind of knew who I was. And everything was Zooming, um, very busy schedule, opera, teaching, you know, my private uh, work, which I had been doing. And then at the height of it, I um, started having issues. And so uh, health-wise, and mm -hmm. I couldn't understand them. I, I couldn't figure out what was going on. They were small. They were nothing mm -hmm. really big. There was, mm -hmm. They were just these odd things that had never occurred before. Hmm. And then uh, I- Can you give me an example of uh, one of the odd occurrences? Uh, yeah. Uh, my stomach would all of a sudden just feel weird. No okay. reason. Uh -huh. uh, and I would think, oh, that's kind of weird. And then um, I started having uh, uh, constipation, but then that would go away. Everything would be fine, back to normal. Yeah. So yeah. It, was, it was small little things. And then finally I did pass some blood in my urine, but I'm prone to, or was prone to kidney stones. So uh -huh. Uh -huh. I went to the doctor, checked that out. They said, there's nothing here. They did blood tests. They did everything. They said, you know, there's really nothing, but if it does happen again, you should go to a specialist. You should go to a yeah. urologist. Yeah. I said, okay, great. Nothing happened. Everything was fine. But they had given me uh, an antibiotic. And once again, the stomach kept being off. Just Yeah. Which, uh, which antibiotics often cause tummy trouble. Exactly. So. exactly. so I was like not that bothered by it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I started losing, uh, I went to another healthcare person who told me to cut sugar, cut all processed sugar out of my diet. Uh-huh, uh-huh. To kind of reset the stomach. Right, yeah. And I did that and then, you know, I started losing weight and I felt great, actually. I was like, oh, wow, I should have done this a long time ago. Yeah. And then I kept losing weight. Mm -hmm. And then the weight just kept going faster. And then it was one of those things where you go, didn't I just weigh two more pounds yesterday? And then your your mind, my mind was like playing this trick. As a matter of fact, today is August 11th at 11.11. My mind was playing these tricks on me. And finally, then I passed another, uh, some more blood. Uh -huh. And I decided to go to the specialist, which I uh -huh. went to, top guy. Mm -hmm. And he took all his tests, did all his thing. I walked into his office finally for the results. And he looked at me and said, you, sir, could die at any minute. <laughs> and wow. that was the beginning of the end. I looked at him and said, what? I had never heard of such a thing in my life. After getting a, basically a, a clean bill of health from the other doctor. From the so, other wow. doctor. And that was only not even two months prior. I said, what? He goes, you could die at any minute. Oh my God. And I said, I don't even understand how this is possible. Right. And he explained it. <laughs> Good of him. He yes. said, uh, you actually have kidney cancer. And oh. then he said, but that's the least of your problem. <laughs> Which oh. I have to say, in the moment he said it, I was relieved. <laughs> like, <laughs> even though he said I was going to die, I was relieved that he said that, you know, that's the least of your problems. <laughs> And I, I said, so what is the problem? He said, well, you have a branching tumor. One of the branches has gone up through 
out through the kidney, up through the renal vein, and it's going toward your heart, which is highly unusual. He said, and these are very dangerous tumors because it is very fragile and yours is very, very large. And um, if the smallest bit of anything comes off of that tumor, it will stop your heart immediately. Oh, he said, even if it's the size of a pinhead, he said, doesn't matter what it is. He said, it will stop your heart immediately and you will die of either an aneurysm or an embolism. And I said, you're kidding me. And he said, no. And I said, well, what can be done about it? And he said, that's the bad news. <laughs> and that's, that's the bad news? news? That was the bad news. And I thought, oh my God, you have bad news after all of this? And he said, <laughs> I mean, really, oh I was like, ready. at that point, I didn't know if I was going to laugh or jump out a window. I was kind of- I like, know, for real. I was like, oh my God. I said, well, what's the bad news? He said, there's nothing we can do. He said, oh I'm afraid God. anything we even attempt to do is going to fracture that tumor. He said, he even said to me, he said, I would not do any chemo. I would not do any radiation. He said, that's going to, that's going to tip it for sure. Mm -hmm. He said, and I have a feeling they will probably want to try it. He said, personally, if I were you, I wouldn't let them. And I said, well, then what am I going to do? And he says, well, sir, you've got to get your affairs in order immediately. And you've got to start getting on top of telling people and, and preparing for the end. He said, because even if we were to get you on a table tonight, he said, you, you're not going to make it out of that surgery. He said, it's oh. not going to happen. Wow. And that was my diagnosis. Wow. Which wow. This that's day a, is a whopper. possibly, yeah, it was a whopper. It was one of the most surreal events I've actually yeah. been through. It didn't and even. You're like by, the, by yourself going. Totally by myself because. Did I hear this? Is yeah. this really what I just heard him say? Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know what to even do. I mean, what is yeah. a person who's going to die at any minute do? What do you do? Right. So right. I just looked at him and for some reason it popped into my head. Uh, I won all the test results. I don't to this day even know why I said it because yeah. of course today everything is computerized. The, the test results could have been sent, been sent anywhere from any place, but I wanted a copy mm -hmm. and I didn't know why. But he mm -hmm. just looked at me and said, well, yeah, we can give you copies. I said, great. I said, that's great. And I kept thanking him and saying, you know, I really appreciate you being so frank. He, right. He said, right. really, Mr. Ramsey, you got to call somebody immediately. Like immediately you have to call somebody and tell them what's happening. It's somebody who you're connected to. And I said, yes, yes, I will. Um, and then I remember things were very rushed. They were trying to get me out of the office because he had spent a lot of time with me, actually. He had been. Oh, of, well, that's good. That's <laughs> that good. I'm, nice. glad he, I'm glad he went over his 15 minute he, a lot. He went exactly. And he did. Um, and then uh, I finally, the, the, the woman, there was a woman that worked in the office. She appeared with all the records, all photo, photocopied for me. And they kind of got me out of the office. And I got outside that office. And honest to God, I finally could breathe. It felt like I was taking a breath, actually, probably for one of the first times in my life. I felt like I was just out of that, that, that surreal bad dream. And I'd walked into what was a beautiful day that day in August of 2015. And... I just looked at it and thought, oh my God. And I went into this weird state of calm. I will just say it was very calm and peaceful. And there was a park nearby and I walked toward the park. Instinctively, I just did. And when I got to the park, I saw all these people just there, you know, the nannies and the children playing and the old people and and I looked at all of them and I thought, oh my God, anyone could die at any minute. Sure. It popped into my head and we all know this. And I said, and the only difference between me and all of them is I have proof and they don't. 
And from there, I went into what I can only call this heightened state of bliss. It was like the heavens revealed themselves to me. And I literally just sat down on a bench and was so still and so serene, I cannot even tell you. Wow. I don't know how long I was there. And all of a sudden, I was kind of woken out of this state by the name Anita Morjani. And are you familiar with Anita Morjani? No. She's a woman whose book I had read about three years earlier called Dying to Be Me. She was a woman who had end-stage uh, cancer, uh, mm -hmm. uh, lymphoma mm -hmm. stage uh, 4B. Mm -hmm. She was on her deathbed with her organs failing mm -hmm. in a major cancer hospital in Hong Kong. She had mm -hmm. a near-death experience, and when she um, was in it, she realized she could heal her cancer and come back. And she did exactly that. And mm -hmm. I remember when I, the, Dr. Wayne Dyer, I don't know if you're familiar with Yes, yes. House, He's the one who found her story and um, published, did, did the foreword and made them publish her book, Hay House. And uh, I had read that book and I was so stunned. And when I remembered Anita, I thought, wow, something happened for her and she was in a coma on her deathbed. And I'm not in a coma and I'm not in my deathbed. I'm just walking around, could die, but I'm not dead. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, maybe there's something out there for me. Maybe I, too, will find something. And mm -hmm. that is the beginning of what I call my journey, uh, which I call it bliss. And uh, the book that I wrote, I call it One Hero's Journey. Because I realize that all of us are heroes on our journey, each one of us, one of the heroes. And that we all are, are um, facing those challenges in our life in which we're either going to overcome or to fall uh, victim to. That we are either going to be the hero, the victorious hero, or we are going to go out the victim. And I explain more in the book, but I really did accept that I was going to die. Mm -hmm. um, but I just thought, how does somebody who's going to die live out the rest of their life? Mm -hmm. And then these miraculous things from that moment on began to occur. And there are so many of them. I got to tell you, it's almost, it almost sounds like a fairy tale. Truly. Many times I can't believe it really happened to me. Um, but so, yes, go ahead. Well, well, I was just going to say, well, I mean, well, just go ahead and continue. I, I, I did. I, my, I don't, my mom had given me the, um, Alana Stewart, Farrah Fawcett book, which, oh, yes. which details, which I have read. And I really enjoyed that book. Although you would think why on earth would anyone enjoy this book? But I did enjoy it. And of course, Farrah Fawcett is a Texas girl. So, right. We, um, but it just, you know, it was a, a wonderful story and full, full of hope. And, you know, obviously she, she did pass away from a terrible disease. But, yes. but if you can just kind of jump to that, how maybe that had, uh, it, it correlates with your story. Absolutely. Because when I got to my uh, house, my apartment house, that, that uh, late afternoon, it was, you know, maybe about four-ish, put the key in the door and I thought about Farrah Fawcett. She just came out of nowhere. It was like Farrah Fawcett. And what I remembered from her story was just before she died, she had been flown to Germany. Mm -hmm. And at the time I had asked a friend, why in God's name would you fly? Mm -hmm. Very mm -hmm. thick woman to Germany. Mm -hmm. and they said, oh, Germany has the top cancer treatments in the world. Mm -hmm. And that thought came to me and I thought, oh, my God, maybe Germany has something for me. So I mm -hmm. flew upstairs and went on the computer and started researching Germany cancer. 
And a pop-up came up from Mexico on the side, which later I found out was because the clinic hospital in Mexico had molded themselves after one of the German clinics. Mm. And um, it was called Sanovive. And it, I, it unbelievably was a hospital that not only dealt with all kinds of diseases, but cancer as well. And then they mentioned difficult cancers. And I thought, well, I have a difficult one. <laughs> I think so. Yep. And I think I, you qualify. And I called them. And unbelievably, first call. And unbelievably, they said, yes, we know we are familiar with tumors such as yours. They're the deadly tumors in cancer. And I said, well, why? They're saying this is not that common. They said, no, but in the States, uh, you know, they just operate, they said, and they have a very poor um, survival rate. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, yeah, that, I mean, they're basically telling me I'm going to die in that operation. They said, yes, well, we do a pretreatment that they do not do in the States. And we have had better success. We want you to know it's still very dangerous. But uh, your chances here would be a little bit better than there. Well, any chances are better because there's nothing. Correct. Correct. You know, and that was the beginning of the journey. And then oddly enough, the woman says to me, you know, what would make this go a lot faster? Do you happen to have copies of your test results? <laughs> and I said, yes, I do. <laughs> I do. I do, and I don't know why, but now and I do know why. And she did. She even said to me, she said, oh, my God, you know, what foresight to have taken copies of your tests. And I said, to be honest, I didn't even know why I asked for them. And now I know it was to give them to you. So basically, I, you know, was, you know, already signing up for them because uh, they don't just accept you. They have to review your case. They have to look uh -huh. at all the records. Make sure good. Good. Yeah, because, you know, mm -hmm. if they didn't think they could help me, they didn't want me coming out there and dying. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, yeah. you know, they were only going to do it if they felt I had a shot. Mm -hmm. and so I had to wait. Uh, I was diagnosed on a um, Tuesday and I finally got uh, confirmation on a Thursday. And then I left the country on a Sunday morning. So everything moved extremely fast. And once again, everything was miraculous. It was miraculous um, how things fell into place and came together. And that journey of that deadly cancer was probably one of the most exquisitely beautiful experiences I have ever had in my entire life. Wow. It was filled with nothing but grace, and beauty and and generosity and kindness and miracles it was just one miracle after the other and the greatest yeah. one is that i survived yeah uh, <laughs> have you ever gone back and seen the doctor who told you that you might die exiting his office as a matter of fact i had to be retested and he's the guy i went to <laughs> Good. He found Good. it in the first place. So, you know, I'll have him check for the retests. Yeah. Um, because I had to do, I think it was a three when I got back from Mexico. He was absolutely floored. Uh, he wanted to see all of my pathology. And um, I gave him copies. And when I, you know, and when after he got all my test results back, he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, your one kidney, because they had to remove my other kidney, they, which I was told the kidney would never survive. Um, but the problem was neither was I. And um, sure, sure. When he, yeah. And when he saw everything, he said, I'm going to tell you something. Your one kidney works better than most people's two kidneys. Oh, wow. I don't know how they did this. And that's when he asked actually for the pathology. He said, I would love to see the pathology on this. And I said, sure, I'll give you a copy. I said, it's in Spanish. He said, no problem, I'm, I'll translate it. Mm -hmm. And so that really is the bulk of the journey with so much in between. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the key to all of it is I learned uh, kind of what Anita also says in her book, our greatest enemy when faced 
with death and um, terrible disease. Our greatest enemy is fear. Fear is our nemesis. And that's why I call the book One Hero's Journey. In other words, heroes are fearless. That's how they become heroes. Victims are filled with fear. That's how they become victims. And the only difference between the hero and the victim is they lose a sense of fear. They have gone to fearlessness. And I became fascinated with that on this journey because we all know those stories, you know, where like, oh, it happened here in New Jersey, where the 16-year-old girl who weighed only about 85 pounds, uh, her father, the car fell on him when he was underneath the car and she lifted the car off of right, it. Right, right. I've heard of that story. We or all mother, have heard those stories. You know, a mother lifts the car off. Exactly. The, you know. Off the child or they can yeah. do superhuman things. Yeah. Yeah. Because they lose any sense of this third dimensional, heavy, fearful reality. And yeah. what I realize is they transcend. Literally, and I'm going to go out on the limb here. I really felt like I was living in a fifth dimensional reality or something above this third dimensional reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. I mean, I've had times in my life where I've just had to do something. And, yes. and, it's, and it's like, I am not really, in a way, not even present. And I'm like, okay. They're like, like, you know, within your soul, like, if I don't do this, nobody else will. So I'm going to do it and, and get out of my way because I'm about to do it, you know. And so, but you just get in your zone where, you know, you just you just make it happen and you don't you don't think about any logic or anything. You're like, well, this is my choice and this is what I'm doing. And now I'm going to do it. Absolutely. And you, just, and you transcend time and space. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. matter. You really do. Mm -hmm. People have mm -hmm. talked about it in accidents. I mean, just mm -hmm. all kinds of things. We all know it. And, and we know either we've had it happen to us or someone we love. We all know it. But unfortunately, not all of us live it. Mm -hmm. And that's really actually why I wrote the book. Um, mm -hmm. I give people a blow by blow because, you know, there were terrible so like i'm shortening the story of course mm -hmm. but we had terrible i had terrible obstacles i mean terrible things that were going on that you know none of this looked good but what i realized is death had no no hold over me i no longer had any yeah. fear of death yeah. i had no fear of the cancer i loved the cancer as a matter of fact i loved the the idea of dying uh and i write about that and what that was all about um the reason i wrote all this was because i really did think i was going to die so i decided to leave you know my diary as kind of a legacy to people after i did die because i really didn't think i was going to survive so you were writing this while you were getting treatment in mexico or when absolutely you i was well i was writing a diary and I was so grateful I did because everything was documented every day, every moment, every hour, because, you know, um, when you're doing all these treatments and you're sitting there under all these things, I mean, there's not a lot to do. So <laughs> I would, yeah. I would write about it. And, yeah. um, and well, I was I doing that for the people I was going to leave behind. Well, that's interesting because, you know, they say that you, sh you shouldn't have negative thoughts and here you are thinking, well, when I die, X, Y, Z, and you're writing it. And so you're, some people would say manifesting it, but I understand what you're saying. You're saying that it, I'm doing everything I can do. And if it's meant to be, so be it. I've had a good life. I've had a fantastic, a crazy, zany life with so many twists and turns. And so that's okay too. So that is exactly right. And I try to live like that. And I think it's our human nature that we don't live like that. I but I do. tried, you know, like you go to a store, you see something, then you go home and you're, why didn't I get that? That was so, that would have gone, oh my God, it would fit perfect here. And, mm -hmm. you know, you go back and of course it's not there and you're, 
you know, and it was like, it wasn't meant to be. If it was meant to be, you would have bought it. Or, you know what I mean? Like, oh, a exactly. house, you fall in love with the house. And yep. it turns into a big ordeal. And it's like, it shouldn't be that complicated. If it was meant to be, it'll be. I'm not driving the bus. I keep saying that. And I, and I just try to, try to always go back to that. That, you know, what, what is meant to be will be. And so I've watched, gone down the rabbit hole of YouTube many times, as we uh -huh. all do. <clears throat> And I'll, I'll go on to the ones where the people are uh, coming back from. The, they, so a lot of them will say how they were angry uh, that, that they didn't get to stay in heaven. And they're mad when they wake oh, up. They're like, yes. Anita, they're mad. she was very, she wasn't happy she, about it. She was too because you experience, <laughs> you know, bliss and yes. you want to you stay there. Yes. And you see all your friends and family and relatives and everything. And they're like, what the hell am I going back here for? Where I have to figure out how to put food on the table or whatever. Yep. Um, but anyway, that's, that's, that's what we need to remember is, is, so I feel like you, you, you experienced that too. You, you went through, almost you never were in the angry. You just were like, well, <laughs> so I think in a way, it was a blessing that it he said, was. you have, you have no shot, dude. You know, I just That's keep right. thinking of dumb they, and dumber when he's like, so you're saying <laughs> I got a chance, you know, you have no, shot. Like, no, no, you don't, you got no chance. And, exactly. so, and so you were like free, you were like free to, oh. to just go off and, 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 and say, okay, all right. Yep. And, and it was one of the most freeing feelings of my life. I felt so empowered. And as I kept losing my fear over death, I, I, and I had a couple of brushes with death that were almost funny, actually. They would make me laugh. And uh, as well, I- Well, you're going to have to tell us about one of those. <laughs> I would, after I would go through them, I would be like, oh my God, Look at like that was really not a big deal, but I made it. I started to make it into a big deal, and then I was like, "Oh, Gary, look at the game! Look at the game that we play with ourselves, as though we know what death is about, as though we know how it's going to go. We don't. We don't. We don't yeah. know anything really. We don't even know how the future is going to go. I never thought I would have gotten a deadly cancer, so." What people's problem is, is they, they project these ideas that don't actually exist into their present moment of what they think is going to happen in a future moment. And that, of course, only produces fear. That's all. And I will say that I honestly lived in the moment, like, you know, the, uh, Eckhart Tolle, the power of now. I was so in the present of now because I didn't have a future. And the yeah. past was kind of useless to me because yeah. the past, you know, what was I going to do? Yeah, yeah. So I really stayed in that power of now. And the paradox is the strongest thing to be in. You could go one way or the other, and it doesn't really matter which way you go. If you fall to the left or you fall to the right, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. It didn't matter to me anymore. But it was, you know, as we went on the journey, um, in fact, if you want to hear one of my kind of funny stories about uh, almost that I thought I was going to die. Yes, I would like to see how you make that so, funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here it goes. So uh, finally, I, go, I get to Mexico, right? I have to take the plane. I have to fly. Mm -hmm. um, these tumors, by the way, pressure is a, not a good thing because um, right. they're very fragile, right? right. Air pressure, right. Uh, blood clotting, you know, all of that stuff is uh -huh. more common. So the doctors had told me at Sanaviv in Mexico, do not touch, keep not touching sugar. Do not touch any sugar, not even fruit. And you should be fine on the plane. Everything should be fine. So get on the plane. Everything is fine. I finally was relaxing. It was like, oh, thank God. I'm here. I'm going to be there. I, mm -hmm. I, I I'm on my way. Yeah. I was going to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. I was falling asleep. And I had like three seats to myself. I was almost laying down. Wow. I just picked up the armrest. There was nobody on that flight. And I, I did leave at like 6.30 in the morning, our time. And uh, they hit this unbelievable turbulence out of oh. nowhere. 
Uh-huh. And that plane, from my memory of it, when when I bounced up, dropped, and uh-huh. I hit, I kind of came off the seat a little bit and hit hard down on that side of the kidney. Oh, jeez. Um, and I could have sworn something popped. Probably mm-hmm. something did, maybe the spine or something, but it mm-hmm. felt like not a good thing. And yeah. all of a sudden... I was sure that the tumor had ruptured. Oh. I was sure of it. And right away I could feel the panic. And here I am. Yeah. Oh my God. It's right. it it it's did. happening. Mm-hmm. And then my heart started racing, which by the way, that's what they said. They said your heart will start racing. You will oh, start Lord. a feeling of breathlessness. You'll probably get overheated. All of those things started happening. Oh my no. heart rate went up. I started sweating. I started feeling like, oh my God, this is it. It's it's going. I I was having trouble breathing. And then I thought to myself, I thought, you know, I should tell somebody. And then I thought, well, what are you gonna tell them? You're gonna say, excuse me, Stuart, <laughs> I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm just wondering, do you have anything back there for dying people? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Hopefully then, the nun won't yeah, come out. Right. A nun, a priest. I guitar. mean, do you have anything on board? And then I'm like, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? And all I'm going to do is cause a panic. All they're going to do, what are they going to land? It isn't going to help because the doctor told me I'd be dead within 10 minutes. (laughs) So I said, Gary, this is ridiculous. Just calm down and let's breathe. And we're going to lay across the seat. I said, and then I even said to myself, and besides, you couldn't be closer to heaven if you tried. <laughs> like I'm on this plane as high as you could possibly be. I said, we're going to go out calmly. This is it. So I laid down on the seat and I just kind of waited to die. And I thought, all right, God, I'm, I'm as high up as I can be. Take me, take me. And all of a sudden, I started calming down. Heart rate went down. Everything started like going back to normal. I kept checking my watch. Everything was fine. I finally made it past the 10 minute mark. And then I thought, well, let's wait three more just in case he was wrong. Jeez. <laughs> and so, lo and behold, everything was perfect. And I was like, now there you go. I just made this huge big deal out of dying. A, I didn't die. And B, my fear would have been the thing that was more deadly than the actual event was. Yeah, yeah. And I got to tell you, Gretchen, that was a profound lesson. And I really learned that lesson. I thought, and I even swore to myself, I even wrote this in the book, I will never do this again. I did, but it was helpful to really have in my mind not to project an outcome that did not exist in the present. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Because you don't know what the outcome so don't never, never. I mean, if if you if you're a hundred percent sure, that's okay. I'm not saying that some people don't have a knowing, and you know, but yeah, don't don't. I don't know what, how to say this. Don't bring negative stuff to your doorstep if it's right. not meant to be. You know, and don't so. project. Just stay in that moment. Yeah, just, just keep saying God will, will provide. God will Correct. take care of me. Correct. And just. I just think if you get to the accepting thing without the panic, um, you know, good things could happen. And, and, and maybe, maybe dying is the best, best thing ever. Exactly. You know what I mean? It yeah. doesn't, it's the way we view it. And I had a friend and she really was watching her mother suffer with Alzheimer's. And they had a discussion that I found <laughs> very disturbing. Uh-huh. She, was, she was having a hard time. You know, her mom had just passed after a long, you know. Yeah, illness. It's uh, with Alzheimer's and everything. Mm -hmm. She's like, you know, I just saw her suffering. And I think, you know, wow, we put dogs down. Why can't we, you know? And I said, listen, I had a friend who, one of my best friends, and he he died of AIDS. And and, uh, it was back several years ago. I guess it was in the 90s. Okay. And uh, so people weren't living with AIDS and HIV back then. It was pretty much 
leftovers for him, uh-huh. especially someone that didn't have any money. Uh-huh. And uh, anyway, he he died with so much grace. Same thing. He his doctor his his doctor said, uh, "Go home and put your affairs in order." Uh-huh. And so he went to he went to the priest and he said, "Listen, I'm here to 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 um, put my affairs in order with God." In, mm-hmm. in family and anyway when we went to go see him he he was he had he was lucky to pass at his mom's house and his mom was taking care of him and he was kind of when you saw him he was talking to himself but he also was very aware when we came in he realized my husband always called him snowshoe foot because he had uh-huh. a big fetch and he's like Gretchen's here like he he was like kind of like in and out of consciousness and he like immediately knew that we were there. Oh wow! Yeah. And his mo- and his mom said, "Jeffrey, you want some juice here?" And here he is dying. His mm-hmm. hands and feet are black. You know, he's clearly mm-hmm. dying. And and his mom gives him juice, and he says, "So many good things, mom. So many good things." Oh. Here he is still giving thanks. Yes. For, and I just. I mean, I, right now I know he's with me because I'm I'm having shivers, and so yes. I I know that he's with me. So, and he's always with me. But anyway, so that's that's how we we need to go. Yes, you know, that's and how we need to go. All Gretchen, I agree. Things. And again, uh, Anita always says this: death is not a failure. It is a necessary part of life. You can't. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. <laughs> Nothing it's inevitable. Is born that does not die. I don't care yeah. about the tree. It doesn't so, matter. No, no. So especially when I'm talking to you about my friend who was having a difficult time mm-hmm. and she's like, you know, wow, we put animals down, but, you know, clearly, you know, what's the matter with putting people down? And I said, well, I can only tell you that my friend, I witnessed him he was sorting things out and every time before he, be, he it, that that time was spent he was taking care of business he was righting wrongs he was preparing uh-huh. himself that's right he was, he was doing he was making use of every last moment now we're suffering because we're losing our mom or we're losing our good friend or we're losing you know my confidant whatever selfishly right. selfishly right it, it that's what we're going through but that doesn't mean that's what they're going through exactly. exactly so who are we to step in and say that's not the right way exactly and again you know what i found with people around me they tended to pull my energy down because they were so upset and it's like yeah. guys i don't have time for that i really don't because yeah. i want to live this moment fully i don't want to look at your sad ass face <laughs> <laughs> looking yeah. at me like I'm a dead man because yeah. yes I am but I don't want to I don't want to go out that way and yeah. that was uh you know a, a real problem I will say going to Mexico was a relief uh when I left the states because too many people were too out of their minds about my situation and um yeah when and everybody I, wants to help correct and, and when I got so. to Mexico uh, I only had to have somebody, uh, a, a family member present for the operation in case I died. They really believed they would keep me alive until the operation. And then the operation was the big deciding factor. Because, of course, you know, you go into an operation, you don't know what's really going to happen. You have no idea. Sure. And they couldn't have a dead body in Mexico without somebody responsible. <laughs> so that was yeah. the, you know, this. Yeah. That's a hard gig. You want to go to Mexico? Yeah. Okay. Here's the bad news. <laughs> I may die. Yep. And my sister. And you're going to be responsible for my body. Uh... Yeah. But she was great about it. And we really did. We made the most of our time. It was a beautiful, beautiful time that yeah. we had. And she yeah. only got a little freaked out a couple of times. And, you know, I, I had to calm her down and kind of talk her down. <laughs> You know, yeah, but uh, well, it's a lot of pressure for the surviving person because they want to they make all the right choices and do everything right, correct? Um, because you know you're going to get criticized by people who exactly. weren't there, and exactly. Because that's just the way it goes down, yeah. Um, but you know, once again, it, it, it's the, the sense of fearlessness 
So do you think, why do you think you went through that amazing journey? Why, what, to teach, to teach what, or, or maybe not to teach? What do you think? I think it is to teach, but you. Yes, it it absolutely is to teach. Uh, I am a teacher. I mean, that's what I was before I was an opera singer. I was a teacher. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, I believe that through our journeys, through our sharings of our journeys, that we uplift those around us and are uplifted by them as well. And I know since I've, uh, you know, written the book, I have uplifted people. They have uplifted me. I have met some amazing people, most of whom should be dead. Most of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the only one. <laughs> um, many people um, who are, uh, survived impossible things. Uh, This fabulous woman, Judy Ryan, brain cancer. She was supposed to die when she was 16, 16 years old, and she's 62. And it's like, oh my God, you know, just what they've gone through, what uh, happened to them and their heroic journeys. And that's what we have to really look at. We have to look at how to uplift and to show the power of the human spirit, to show the power of God that runs through all people, um, or however you want to look at that, that we are far more powerful than what we are led to believe. And that is really now my, my, the key in my journey. And I have helped many people either come to grips with their deadly situation or transcend their deadly situation. And, um, and then they move that on to other people. So then they uplift others in their life. So, you know, we, we create this, this fabulous momentum of really the power that spirit has that is far beyond what we know in terms of, you know, this kind of scientific medical model that we kind of exist in. Uh, and it's amazing. It's amazing to be in, you know, connected to all of these people. And again, most of them, just like me, like I should be dead six years coming up this, um, my operation was on September 9th. I should be dead for six years. Well, congratulations. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Happy early birthday. Happy early birthday. And there's so many people I know they should be dead for, you know, well, like, Judy Ryan, she's supposed to be dead for, you know, almost, uh, you know, 40 years, whatever. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much. Oh, now where can, where can we get your book? Tell us, tell us all your numbers and digits and what you got going on. Yeah. I self published on Amazon because I wanted to tell the story the way it happened. And those that know about book publishing, when you're dealing with a publisher, you have, you have to negotiate. So uh, I just decided to publish the book on my own. And okay. um, so it's on Amazon. I'm also on Facebook. I have a page there. I have an author page, my regular page. And I do weekly talks about things like this. Um, mm-hmm. um, not all of it is about cancer and death. Sometimes mm-hmm. it is, but sometimes it isn't. And sometimes it's about aspects of living a heroic life and not Mm -hmm. falling victim to the the kind of, you know, harsh third dimensional beliefs that we all, you know, pray to. Um, Yeah, And rising above, rising Mm -hmm. above that and realizing that you do create your reality. You just can't be afraid. You can't be running away from that which you fear. If you're busy running away from that which you fear, you you can't create a reality. You can't. Yeah. And I found well, you're just worrying about things correct. that you're going to spend your whole life worrying about something that when it's going to come, it's going to come. So why not? I mean, that's not why we're here. To, exactly. we're, we're not born to so that from day one, we, you know, now you're going to die. So just, yep. you know, just know that and it's like, well, well, of course, we're all going to die, but yeah. we're here to live. Absolutely. And Anita to make the most of our time, right? Yes. And Anita, she mentioned that in her book, she said the reason she got cancer, and I'll say this because it's in her book, the reason she got cancer is because she was terrified of getting cancer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what we run from 
is what we actually create. And that's what I really learned. You have to embrace and you have to really let it, you have to experience it. And the, then it loses power over you. It loses power and then you can transcend. Um, so that was really the, the biggest learning on my, on my journey. Totally. Yeah. Although you're not a person who has ever, you seem to be a, a person who just follows their, follows their road. Yes. Wherever. I mean, you, you have never, you don't grow up south side of Chicago and say, oh, I'm going to grow up to be a singer and an opera singer. Right. You know, you, 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 and you didn't care. Exactly. You know, you're like, exactly. well, this, this guy knows what he's talking about. And if he says I'm awesome, I must be awesome. <laughs> so, so, I mean, but, you know, you didn't sit there and go, oh, my God, everyone I grew up with in my family, are none of them are going to get it. And they're going to go, he's lost his nut or whatever. Yeah. And so, you know, you've always been a person who follows your bliss, it seems like. But this this is just a special journey that yeah, and you can look at it and you can look at it as a gift. A lot of people would have. Oh, absolutely. Not absolutely. ever, you know, experience that. They would have just said, oh, that's when I almost died. It was terrible. And uh, not oh, really yeah. look, at the, look at the bigger. No, you're here for a reason. Don't you want to, you know, go. Exactly. And to utilize that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. wow. Well, once again. You kept me spellbound. I, I, I oh, love hearing Gretchen, your story. You. I love hearing your story. And um, hopefully maybe you could come on again and we can we can talk about some other things. Not not <laughs> not your diagnosis, <laughs> your life changing. Diagnosis. Absolutely. Absolutely. You I'm could always... literally you could die on your way out of my office. So please it, leave yeah. now. <laughs> please leave now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's absolutely oh wow wow well thank you thank you so so much oh, i really you are so appreciate welcome. you taking time out of your busy day to to spend with us oh and, and thank uh, you i really enjoyed this and i love sharing this story with anybody and as i say the more people it helps them just it's just such a great feeling to know that you know there's a lot of people out there with no hope there's a lot of people out there and again the, 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 it, it's not, it's an illusion. There is, there is no such thing as hopeless. There's no such thing. It only just transforms. It only just transforms. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. You just need to align yourself with yeah. what the, the road that's in front of you and accept it and, 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 and gratitude. Just Absolutely. There's, there's always things, just like my friend Jeff. There's, there's so many good things. There's so many good things. Absolutely. So, all right. On that, I will wish you a fond adieu, all right, my friend, and we will talk soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye.